Welcome to the Nurse Becoming podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri from the Resume RX, and this is the podcast that's dedicated to empowering and encouraging nurses along your path of professional and self discovery. As a nurse practitioner, mom, and business owner, I'm on a mission to help you figure out how to leave your lasting impact on the world, all while bravely and fearlessly growing along the way. Join me for honest conversations and inspiring stories about personal and professional growth, all through the lens of nursing. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Nurse Becoming Podcast. It's your host, Amanda Guarneri. I hope you are excited to talk a little bit about charting and time management today. I think this is such a hot topic, especially for nurse practitioners, something that I don't ever feel like I master. I can always learn how to be more efficient with my charting and my time management. And so I'm excited to welcome back to the show, Erica Dorn from The Burned Out Nurse Practitioner. You may have seen her around the internet. She was actually on the show last year when we did a burnout roundtable with her and Diana from Catalyst for Self-Care. So I'm excited to interview Erica on her own. And we do talk about burnout at the beginning of the episode, but we do pivot into some specifics about charting and time management that I think you'll be able to take some gems from this and hopefully start implementing them on your next shift, especially if you're a nurse practitioner. This is definitely an NP-focused episode because we tend to be the ones who have a lot of charting uh, involved in our day, which can definitely disrupt your work-life balance, your job satisfaction, and can lead you down the path to burnout, which is what we want to avoid. So I hope you enjoyed this episode with Erica. Hey, Erica, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on today. I should really say welcome back to the show because (laughs) you were on our show previously when we did a special burnout roundtable episode. So I'm excited to have you back on your own so that we can chat more. Yes, thank you. So I've already introduced you kind of in my intro, but I'd love to hear in your own words, tell me a little bit about who you are, what you do before we get into the topic of the show. Yes. So I am a wife, a mom of two busy boys, a family nurse practitioner. I currently work in a critical access hospital doing primary care and then covering emergency services. And I am the creator of the Burned Out Nurse Practitioner. I help overwhelmed NPs create work-life balance, conquer burnout, and advocate for themselves. I love it. And I've been following you for a while. I think that it's so great, the platform that you have created. So I'm excited to dive in a little bit more. And and I'd love to start a little bit more with kind of your origin story in nursing. Like how long have you been a nurse? When did you decide to become an NP and that kind of journey and path? Yeah. So I actually declared nursing in high school. I knew I wanted to do something in healthcare and just really felt called to nursing. I really wanted to make a difference and make an impact in a patient's life. I learned pretty quick once I started my first RN job on a busy acute care floor that you don't 
have the time nor the energy to like really, you know, sit down with their patient and hold their hand and make that impact. So about three years into my nursing career, I started to feel burned out. I became like mentally, emotionally, physically exhausted. I was not taking care of myself, um, not showing up for my family how I wanted to. I started to dread going to work and just felt like this detachment from my work and from my family and even from myself. I didn't even know I was burned out. Um, I actually remember reading an article in the break room about compassion fatigue, and I checked Mark like every single box. And so once I kind of became aware that I was completely burned out, I gradually made the changes, overcame the burnout, um, and then ended up going to family nurse practitioner school. So that's kind of my story. <laughs> yeah, and I, I relate to that so much. I was going to ask you, did you know you were burned out at the time? And, and you, you know, you answered that question. And I had a similar experience where, you know, when I was working as an NP in the ER with little kids at home, you know, I just started to feel this disconnection from my impact. And I remember thinking, like, I'm literally doing life-saving work and it doesn't feel important enough or it doesn't feel like I'm making a difference. Mm. And, you know, in retrospect, you know, those are just, you know, hallmark classic signs of burnout and compassion fatigue. And it it really took me having a distance from it, you know, having my third baby and and my extended European maternity leave for mm -hmm. me to have the opportunity to reflect and be like, oh, it wasn't just you know, it wasn't a bad job or it wasn't that I wanted to be a stay-at-home parent or whatever it was. It was the fact that I was burned out and I didn't even realize it was happening when I was experiencing it. So I can, you know, totally relate to your story. Yeah. I mean, I think burnout, especially in the last two years, but burnout was an issue, you know, before the pandemic. And now we've just had increased stress and demands of our job. And there's just a lot going on right now. And so I just tried to bring awareness and support to healthcare providers, specifically nurse practitioners who, like you said, you know, might not know that you're burned out, but just kind of becoming aware that something's not right. Yeah, definitely. And I'd love to talk about kind of what you think are some top contributors to burnout. And, you know, I, I think it's important to preface the conversation by making sure that we make it really clear that at least I'm assuming you feel this way too, but I don't feel that all the responsibility for burned out healthcare providers falls on the individual, right? I think that there are some systemic and institutional issues at play that we don't have a ton of control over. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes I hear burnout conversations that, you know, put all the responsibility on the person who's burned out. And I think that's kind of a slippery slope. But I'd love to get your thoughts on kind of what you think those top contributors to burnout are so that we can maybe uncover some things that we do have control over as we either try to get out of the burned out place or prevent getting there. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely right. There are many things out of our control that I think need to change um, in order to 
help healthcare providers with burnout. However, I always encourage nurse practitioners, you know, to make the changes that they can control um, and can start that process themselves. So I would say for nurse practitioners, the number one cause of burnout that I have discovered is work-life imbalance. And the number one cause of that imbalance is charting, (laughs) which we'll talk more about later. But so many nurse practitioners are, you know, staying late at the office. They're bringing their charts home. They're spending more time, you know, even if they're not actually charting at that moment, they're still overwhelmed and stressed with the amount of charting and just the demands that um, work has. And then a few other contributors to burnout, um, nursing in general is a caring profession. And we tend to always put, you know, others needs in front of our own and kind of put ourselves on the back burner. Also, like you said, you know, just being a mom and having other people that you have to take care of and be responsible for having that mom guilt, you know, not um, showing up the way you want to can be a contributor to, to burnout. And then like we talked, I mean, there's those contributors that are out of our control, you know, some of the mental, emotional demands of the job, lack of support from administration, you know, maybe lack of support from some of our coworkers or colleagues. Those can all contribute to burnout. Yeah, for sure. And I guess a question that comes up is, you know, let's say I am a nurse or an NP and I know that something feels off. I feel unhappy. What are going to be some steps for me to figure out, okay, is this a burnout situation? Is this a bad job situation? Is this a bad profession situation? Like how do we start to untangle those big questions? Yeah. I mean, like both you and I said, we didn't even know that we were burned out, you know, until we had some awareness or, you know, kind of some time to reflect a lot of personal reflection and figuring out what you want in your life. You know, what is a priority? What kind of changes do you think need to be made? That's really kind of the first step. And then just really having open and honest conversations, whether it's, you know, with your colleagues, with some healthcare friends, you know, just making it known that you're struggling because most likely, you know, they are too. I have a Facebook group, the Burned Out Nurse Practitioner, that offers, you know, a safe place for nurse practitioners to talk about some of these things. And I've heard so many times, you know, nurse practitioner will tell their story and then, you know, there'll be a ton of comments on, yeah, like I'm experiencing that too. Like that's exactly the way it is in my job. And so that just kind of helps to have some support and know that you're not alone going through this. Yeah, definitely. I think that validation of our experience can be very healing, right? It can it can show us that we're not alone and also just really help us realize that while our experiences are unique, they're often they're often shared and there's kind of some mm-hmm. community in that and and being able to to push through once you know, okay, this isn't I'm not the only one going through this. Yeah. And I think like nurse practitioners especially kind of have a disconnect, you know, from the rest of the healthcare world. Some nurse practitioners might be the only one, you know, in their office or, you know, not have a lot of close friends that they can talk with. So I think, yeah, coming together and just 
just talking and having those conversations and having that support and know that you're not alone. That can really go a long ways. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So something that we wanted to focus on in this episode is charting and time management, because you and I have both witnessed that this is a huge contributor to burnout, especially for nurse practitioners. So I'd love to kind of dive into this topic a little bit more for this episode. So tell me first, what have you seen when it comes to charting and time management and how it affects nurse practitioners specifically? Yeah, so charting, it's something that we have to do. There's, you know, no other way around it. Um, We have to document, you know, our visit for legal reasons and billing and continuity of care and all of that. So it's something that we can't just brush off and ignore. I would say the biggest way that charting uh, plays a factor into like burnout would be the time aspect. And that's time away, you know, that work-life imbalance, time away from your family, time away from yourself and that self-care and setting those priorities. So that would be the biggest thing. A lot of nurse practitioners that I talk to are spending unpaid time. So, you know, they're staying late at the office or they, they're bringing charts home and, and their salary. So, you know, they work their 40 hours. They don't get paid for any other outside time to finish up that charting. And I mean, that can cause a lot of, you know, resentment for your job and for seeing patients and, you know, there's push from administration to see even more and it can just be a vicious cycle and, and ultimately, I mean, cause the burnout. Yeah, for sure. I have definitely kind of been in the middle of that. And, you know, I think it shocks a lot of NPs, a lot of new NPs that, First of all, the majority of our roles are salaried roles. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we're not, you know, badging in and badging out for our shifts, but rather, you know, you're you're here for your shift and you're supposed to finish it on time and you need to get your work done and you're not paid extra if it takes you extra time to chart. And that's I think a huge culture shift for a lot of mm-hmm. NPs, especially who are coming from like very traditional nursing roles where you're an hourly paid employee. So mm-hmm. I think like to start, there's kind of this, uh, a different expectation and then a huge learning curve when it comes to managing your time, especially if you're in a practice where you're seeing a lot of, a lot of patients per day. It can be be pretty shocking. Yeah. And the other thing to add, I mean, it's not just the charting, it depends on your practice setting, but you know, primary care, there's medication refills, there's, you know, reviewing past medical history, there's following up with patient messages, which can really, you know, the patient can abuse that connection to the provider. So there's like tons of other things that you have to get done throughout your day. And it can really cause a lot of stress and overwhelm for getting everything done in a timely manner. Yeah, for sure. By far, one of the most common questions I get is about nurse practitioner salary. What's typical? What's fair? What can I expect? There are so many variables, and while there are some reports that come out annually or every other year, I always wish there was a better way. So I created something, introducing the free NP salary report. This is a database of real NP salaries from around the country that you can search and filter based on what you want to know. 
Now, keep in mind, this is a crowdsourced guide. So the more it gets shared, the better it gets. So I hope you will love it. I hope you will share it. Please check it out. Again, it's totally free at theresumerx.com slash salary. Again, that's theresumerx.com slash salary. Even if you're in a position, you're not necessarily curious about what other people are making. I would really appreciate it if you would head to theresumerx.com slash salary and at least submit your information anonymously. That's what generates the information in the salary report is people submitting their salaries and also viewing the database. So I'm excited about this. It's a new project and I really hope that you will love it. Again, you can find it at theresumerx.com slash salary. So I'd love to really unpack and present some actionable steps, some either tips or hacks or, you know, one to three things that listeners can implement tomorrow or during their next shift to really try to be more efficient and effective with their time. So what would you say is a good place to start? Yeah. So there's so many, you know, different ways that we can work on managing our time or our charting. I have an entire course that goes over that, but I just want to highlight a few of the ones that you can kind of take quick action on. So first off, I want to say that becoming aware of how you're currently spending your time and you can fill out, you know, a time log to kind of see how long does it take you to see a typical acute patient or a chronic patient or, you know, a follow-up or a new patient, becoming aware of that. And then also, like we talked about all the other tasks. So how long does it take to respond to those patient messages and get through the medication refill? So really just being aware of how you're currently spending your time. That'll help you to focus on, you know, which aspect or avenue you should work on first. The other thing I want to say is that small changes can really add up. So if you find, you know, start using a template or start working on decreasing your charting, the time it takes you to, you know, finish a note, if you can find something that will save you, you know, one minute per patient and you're seeing 30 patients a day, I mean, that's 30 extra minutes that you can have at the end of your day. You know, that means getting home in time for supper with your family or, you know, leaving on time to attend the kids' activity. So just really focusing on like those small habit changes and ultimately, you know, those can compound and build up over time. I would say one thing I see a lot of nurse practitioners do is over chart. So, you know, if you think about charting as an RN on a hospital floor, I mean, you were with that patient, you know, for 12 hours, you had to document everything, you know, they ate, how much they voided, you know, what they did, you know, work with physical therapy, you documented every single hour on that patient. And so I think it's kind of a struggle for a lot of new nurse practitioners to then change that into nurse practitioner charting. The provider status, you know, you're focusing on that one 
problem or, you know, patient complaint and having the note be very problem focused. So, you know, if you do the review of systems, only the pertinent topics or like for the physical exam, just really focusing on that specific complaint. For example, if a patient comes in for knee pain, I don't even take my stethoscope in the room. You know, I don't worry about listening to breath sounds or heart sounds. And that might feel a little bit hard for some nurse practitioners. But, you know, the patient came in for knee pain. Unless I see them, you know, struggling to breathe or something, I'm focusing only on, you know, that knee pain and addressing that issue. So I think just having those problem focused notes and making sure you're not adding in extra information that might not be important or might not be not important and just keeping them very short and sweet and to the point. And Amanda, I think you can probably attest to this just being from the emergency room. I mean, your guys's notes were very specific and focused on that complaint. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think for me using templates and dot phrases and, you know, they're especially an emergency where you kind of have these like top 10 complaints that you see over and over really honing in on making that as efficient as possible for those problem focused notes. Like over time, you end up having this script of the education that you provide for someone that you're discharging home with a sprained ankle or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it pretty similarly every time. So why don't I create a dot phrase of exactly what I'm going to say? So then it takes literally two seconds for me to insert that entire thing into the note. And, you know, There are a lot of groans about electronic medical records, but so much of it has been designed to help make our jobs easier if we if we know how powerful those tools are. So I think that it's really, you know, important to use them to our advantage. And to your point, yeah, saving one minute per patient, I mean, can can really be the difference between you, you know, getting home for something versus not. And, you know, the first point that you made about really doing a time log or a time study, I think is is so important and, and shouldn't be overlooked because I don't know about you, but, and this has happened in so many different aspects of my life, including like folding laundry, the perception of how much time it takes and, and energetically how I feel about it versus how much time it actually takes, at least yeah. for my brain is always like, so far, like so much different than I cannot estimate or guess. And if you ask me, I would overestimate every single task that I loathe and underestimate every single task that I love in terms of the time it takes. So like do that time study, take just one or two days to do it. And I think it'll be really, really illuminating. Oh yeah. And it can pick up on you know, distractions. If you're someone who's easily distracted or, you know, chatting with your colleagues and, and really, you know, you should be utilizing that time to finish the chart. So you don't have to bring them home. That's a big one. And then also I would say like perfectionism too. A lot of us tend to procrastinate because, you know, we're worried about having a perfect note or, you know, maybe we don't know for sure the correct treatment plan. So then we, you know, research and look at all these different resources and really, you know, we probably wasted more time than we should have by, you know, having that sense of perfectionism. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, we nurses tend to 
be a, a people pleasing perfectionist bunch. Not all of us, yes. but many of us. So I think <laughs> yes. uh, this is a good exercise in getting away from that. Like, can you save yourself a minute and and not actually correct all your spelling errors? Like, yeah, are you okay with that? Can you close a chart that has a spelling error that looks enough like the word, even though it's not exactly correct? You know, yeah. does that make you uncomfortable? Examine why and <laughs> and yes. decide, all right, is it worth it for you to spend, <laughs> you know, five minutes proofreading every note and then staying after, you know, an hour or two or taking all those charts home? So yeah. I think all these things are good questions to ask ourselves. I will know I am a terrible speller. So I do go through spell check and make sure I don't have anything misspelled. But I mean, yeah, just that sense of, you know, having to reread it and take all that extra time that perfectionism can really be a block for us. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. So I wanted to ask, you know, at what point does someone who recognizes that they're burned out, like they're trying all these things, they're they're improving their charting, they're improving their time management, let's say like it's not getting better. At what point do they need to make a drastic change as opposed to just kind of these small habit changes? Yeah. I mean, I think it's so important, you know, to start with yourself and to make some of those changes. Kind of the next level would be having those honest conversations, you know, with your clinic manager, your administrator, and, you know, just tell them, hey, I'm struggling. You know, this is what I would need. You know, I need more time with my family. I need admin time. I need, you know, better control of the schedule so it doesn't get too crazy. Ultimately, though, you have to put yourself first. We cannot pour from an empty cup. And so if you're constantly, you know, giving to everyone but yourself, you're going to run out. You're going to become burned out. And that looks different, you know, for every person. We kind of talked about earlier some of those signs and symptoms of burnout. But ultimately, like, you have to decide, is this job worth your physical, mental, emotional health? Is it worth, you know, spending hours away from your family and, you know, missing out on kids activities, those sorts of things. I will add, I've talked to like several nurse practitioners who have felt burned out and they chose to take you know, two weeks off or a month off from work. And luckily, you know, their administrator let them have that time so that they could breathe, you know, they had some time to reflect on their priorities and, you know, take care of themselves for probably the first time in months. And so, you know, that's another option before you completely leave the job. Um, You know, maybe you just need a little bit of time that you can take care of yourself and relax and, you know, figure out what your next step is. Yeah, for sure. I think creating that space is so important and and is often what we need to reflect and figure out what the next step is. So, you know, chances are you have some time off, take it, <laughs> go on a vacation or a staycation or just get out of your everyday environment. And I think that can be really, really powerful as we're trying to figure out, you know, what we want out of our career, what we want out of our lives, you know, those big, big questions. They take time for us to to figure out mm-hmm. those answers for sure. Yeah. And energy. I mean, you can't, you know, continuously go to work every day if, you know, you know you're struggling and, and just need that time and just, you know, to step away from that role for for a time to figure out what you need. Yes, definitely. 
Uh, So I'd love before we close for you to share a little bit more about your platform, about the programs and services that you offer so that folks can connect with you. So I currently offer a few different courses, one on charting and then also burnout, which talks, you know, specifically about self-care and setting those boundaries and, you know, implementing some of those, those things that we can do to overcome burnout. I have a course on imposter syndrome and then also contract negotiation for nurse practitioners. So you can find me on Facebook, The Burned Out Nurse Practitioner. You can join our Facebook group titled The Burned Out Nurse Practitioner and just find that community and support. Um, I'm on Instagram at burnedoutnp. And then also my website, you can check out my blog. I have tons of, you know, helpful posts on burnout and charting tips and imposter syndrome and all the things. And that is at www.burnedoutnp.com. Awesome. I'm taking notes so that we can put it in our show notes (laughs) so that everyone can find you where they where they want to and connect with you. That's wonderful. So I've been asking this new kind of final question of all my guests. And it's whether you have any big dreams or goals that you'd like to share, you know, whether it's personally, professionally, whatever. And the reason why I'm asking this question is because I really believe that when we speak our goals out loud uh, and to somebody else, it really increases the likelihood that they will come true. So uh, I wonder if you have anything to share for that. No, no pressure. (laughs) Um, so, I mean, ultimately, as far as the burned out nurse practitioner, I I really just want to be that support and, you know, help nurse practitioners to overcome the burnout like I did, because I know, you know, I was there. I know how hard it is. And, and you question, you know, your career in healthcare and, and wonder if you should leave. So I really just want to be bring that awareness and that support and, you know, create the things for nurse practitioners. I will say I'm going to be getting more into the charting realm, um, just giving lots more, you know, charting tips. And I think it's something that we barely learn in school. You know, school is very like focused on diagnosing and treating and all of that is super important. But I remember having like maybe 30 minutes on how to do a chart note. Like that was the lesson in school, like 30 minutes. And then you get out into the real world and you're like, what am I supposed to do? Like, how do I form this note? And how do I properly bill and code for it? And so I really want to just bring a lot more of the charting aspect and support for nurse practitioners. And I will add, I do have a list of smart phrases, um, kind of a jumpstart list compiled for nurse practitioners. So like we were talking about earlier, you know, using those smarter dot phrases can really save a lot of time. So if nurse practitioners want access to that, they just have to put in their email and then can sign up for that. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear you're going to be doing more about charting. I agree. It's so it's so needed. It's under undertaught, you know, either you don't get a lot of time or uh, like in my case, I remember, you know, it would be a whole week long project to write this very, very detailed soap note and present it, which is totally unrealistic when you get into the real world and you have to write it in a very, very short period of minutes. So um, it's definitely uh, much needed. And I'm, I'm so glad that you are here to help fill that void. Thank you. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us, Erica. I'm so excited for this episode to be shared with everyone. Um, If you're listening, you can head to the show notes where you're listening to this episode to uh, connect with Erica, find all of her links, join her Facebook group. And thanks again. Thank you for having me. Well, that does it for today. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you have found today's episode helpful and you would like to support the Nurse Becoming podcast, I invite you to buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash nursebecoming. I appreciate your support. This helps me create more content for you to enjoy and benefit from in the future. Also, would you consider giving me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already? It will truly help other nurses find the show and know that it's worth listening to. For more information about this episode, as well as a place to submit your questions or suggestions for future episodes or guests, head to nursebecoming.com. I can't wait to connect with you soon. And until next time, remember, I am always rooting for you.